Day by day, it seems that new revelations about President Donald Trump make what were once whispers of impeachment into calls for impeachment. This morning, Democratic Congressman Al Green of Texas became the first to call for Trump's impeachment on the floor of the House. We cannot allow this to go unchecked. The president is not above the law. The latest bombshell was yesterday's report that former FBI Director James Comey documented in a memo that Trump asked him in an Oval Office meeting to shut down the investigation into former National Security Director Michael Flynn. The White House has denied Comey's version of events. That followed Monday's shocking disclosure that the president revealed classified information in a meeting with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. And Trump's admission last Thursday that he fired Comey over the, quote, made-up story about him in Russia, followed by a veiled threat in a tweet the next day that Comey better hope that there are no tapes of our conversations. Did Trump commit a crime or an impeachable offense or neither? Joining me are Richard Painter, professor at the University of Minnesota Law School and former ethics lawyer for George W. Bush, and Bradley Moss, partner at Mark Zaid. Many people are questioning whether Trump's actions constituted obstruction of justice, but there's a distinction between the criminal offense of obstruction of justice and the impeachable offense of obstruction of justice. Mark, let's start with the criminal offense. Do his actions make out a case for obstruction under federal criminal statutes? Richard. Yes. Um, I think that uh, there is substantial evidence of criminal obstruction of justice. Uh, I believe this needs to be investigated by an independent special prosecutor as well as by the House and the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, but um, the uh, memo uh, documented a conversation that in and of itself probably would not arise to criminal obstruction of justice. But when you put that in the context of the president asking the FBI director to uh, affirm his loyalty to the president, uh, the fact uh, that the FBI director was fired and that the president has acknowledged that his firing of the FBI director was connected to the Russia investigation, and then the fact that uh, General Flynn was going to turn state's evidence, in effect, ask for a, a, uh, a immunity from prosecution in return for his testimony, uh, which would, of course, give everyone connected with the Trump-Russia scandal a, a motive to want to shut down the Flynn investigation. You, we put all these facts together, and I think there is uh, a, what I would characterize as strong evidence that the president engaged in criminal um, obstruction of justice, but it's, it's certainly not an open and shut case at all. It needs to be investigated further. And Bradley, do you agree with that? Yeah, by and large. I mean, I think the uh, the evidence we've got right now is very strong circumstantial evidence for at least the impeachment charge of obstruction of justice. Uh, to, to supplement what uh, Richard was saying in terms of the criminal side, the one thing that might save the president, which is a legal nuance I highly doubt he actually is aware of, is that as far as the criminal courts have typically been concerned, a pending FBI investigation in and of itself 
would not qualify as the type of proceeding that would implicate uh, any of the obstruction of justice criminal provisions uh, under the U.S. Code. So it's a slight legal loophole, which just by happenstance would possibly save the president from a criminal charge if that was ever feasible. But in an impeachment context, it wouldn't be quite as limited. I think we do have some good circumstantial evidence. I don't believe all the pieces have quite moved into place yet, though. Impeachment is a different kind of standard, and the Constitution uses the phrase high crimes and misdemeanors. So, Richard, just in 30 seconds, we will continue with this, but in 30 seconds, is the case easier to make out an obstruction of justice uh, claim under an impeachment standard? Well, uh, of course, impeachment is a very political process. I mean, Congress has impeached the president for lying under oath about his sex life. Uh, I couldn't give a rat behind about the president's sex life. But I do care about the Russians and Russian espionage inside the United States and uh, Russian agents working in the National Security Council and and so forth. Uh, So um, uh, that's going to be up to Congress to determine uh, whether there's been obstruction of justice or whether there have been other impeachable offenses and whether to remove the president, uh, it, it, you know, to start the impeachment process. Obstruction of justice was the main charge in both the Nixon and Clinton impeachment cases. The Constitution uses the phrase high crimes and misdemeanors, and they include corruption, abuse of power, and undermining the rule of law and democracy. Many people are questioning whether... President Donald Trump's actions constituted obstruction of justice, and we've been talking about that with Richard Painter, professor at the University of Minnesota Law School and former ethics lawyer for George W. Bush, and Bradley Moss, partner at Mark Zaid. Bradley, let's talk about obstruction of justice in the context of the information we learned about the meeting with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. Um, Although it was, it has been said many times that uh, President Trump has the ability to declassify information on the spot. How do you view that? Well, no, it's very true that under uh, Article Two authority, the president can do pretty much whatever he wants with classified information. All classified information and all the procedures for deeming something classified emanate from the presidency, and every president has that authority. So the president could, in theory, post the nuclear launch codes if he wanted on Twitter, and there'd be no criminal provision to take action against him, but there would be a basis to impeach him for abuse of a power, sorry, for abuse of power and failure to faithfully execute his office. And that's kind of what we have here is that, yes, as a criminal matter, the president could share whatever he wanted with the Russian officials in the Oval Office. But from the context of his position and improperly executing his duties to share such sensitive details, which had been provided only on condition of confidentiality from an intelligence partner, which put the asset at risk, which had not been coordinated with other agencies to make sure all proper procedures were followed first, to just off the cuff describe that information to the Russian officials could in and of itself be viewed as a basis for impeachment. But if we ever get to that point, I don't necessarily think we're honestly convinced we're there yet, but if we ever do get to that point, I think that'll be icing on the cake. If this president gets impeached, it's not going to be what happened with the Russians in the Oval Office. Richard, it does seem like impeachment is 
if at all, a long way away, considering that both houses of Congress are controlled by Republicans. So what would be the next step? A special counsel, independent commission, select congressional committee? What would you see as the best next step? Well, I, I think that there is going to need to be an investigation, continued investigation of the Russia uh, connection uh, by the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. And the Republicans are going to have to very forcefully support that investigation. Uh, the Republican Party has never in its history stood for uh, shielding uh, Russian agents, Russian espionage inside the United States and other subversive activities uh, that have been really going on. The Russians have been doing this since the 1917 uh, Russian Revolution, trying to destabilize Western democracies. We just saw it in France just last week. So I don't think the Republicans are going to tolerate that, and those investigations are going to proceed, and then we're going to have investigations in the House, the Senate, Judiciary Committee on the question of abuse of power. And once again, I, I think Republicans will... Uh, uh, come around on this, uh, you know, remembering that even uh, with the Nixon debacle, uh, the Republican Party came back very strong in 1980 with the election of Ronald Reagan. Uh, but participating in a cover-up is certainly not in the interest of, uh, of anybody in the Republican Party or anyone in Congress. So hopefully we're going to be able to move forward on this. Uh, but it's a very serious situation, because unlike Watergate, which was really a third-rate burglary, um, you know, purely domestic. This involves uh, the Russian uh, uh, spying inside the United States and attempts to destabilize our government. And that's a very dangerous situation. Now, do we expect Bradley to see James Comey anytime soon testifying in in Congress in the open? I believe I know. I know that there's already been a request. I think it was just made uh, earlier this uh, this morning or this afternoon for him to come back. I don't know if it was Senate Intelligence or Senate Judiciary that wants him to testify in open and closed classified session. I think that is very much warranted at this point. I think given all that's already leaked out and given these various stories mm -hmm. now about the memoranda that he was drafting, documenting the conversations with the president that were raising concerns for him, that we need to have some clarity um, on the situation. And it's, it's, it's more or less about time that he comes back. We get some certainty as to what exactly happened, why he didn't raise this earlier, why he had, what he, what, what other conversations he had with the president and what else he was concerned about, if anything. And Richard, let's talk about, an FBI memo and the weight that an FBI memo carries. That, what about the FBI memo? That an FBI memo in criminal proceedings even carries a great deal of weight. An F, a memo made almost contemporaneously with a discussion by an FBI uh, person or questioning. Well, the question is what happened in the conversation. And uh, at the end of the day, the, uh, the question is going to be, was the president uh, seeking to intimidate the FBI and uh, trying to uh, uh, threaten, uh, or actually threatening uh, Director Comey with uh, being fired if he did not uh, put a stop to the Flynn investigation and, and tamper down the Russia investigation? Uh, the evidence points in the direction of that indeed being the case, but uh, the, the question isn't the memo. The memo is the evidence. Uh, the question is, did the president seek 
uh, to impede uh, the FBI investigation by threatening to fire the FBI director if he did not uh, put a stop to the plan investigation. I want to thank both of you for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Richard Painter, professor at the University of Minnesota Law School, and Bradley Moss, partner at Mark Zaid. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to go back in history to look at the parallels between Comey's memo and the smoking gun that took President Richard Nixon down. I'm June Grosso. You're listening to Bloomberg Law on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.